Bueno, ¿qué pasó anoche? Ok, no es lo que esperaba, pero tenía el nivel perfecto de picante. Suena interesante y caliente. Tenía todo el sabor. Los Ghost Pepper Wings de Popeyes son tan deliciosos. Espera, yo pensé que hablábamos de tu cita. A veces las cosas no son lo que parecen. Pruebo hoy los Ghost Pepper Wings de Popeyes por 5 dólares, que tienen el nivel perfecto de sabor y picante. Por tiempo limitado en restaurantes participantes de Estados Unidos. Precio puede variar. Impuestos extra. This podcast is sponsored by Cleanesis Group. Through innovation and engagement of people, businesses and governments, they aim to eradicate microplastic pollution from all angles. The goal is to spread awareness so that people can make informed choices and be part of the solution. For more information, please visit cleanesisgroup.com. Team of Dreamers, creatives, foodies and coffee lovers brings a unique perspective to Lilk. In order to reduce the impact on the environment, they calculated the CO2 emissions, as well as analyse the whole food chain, which includes farming, production and transport. A plant-based milk that is mostly made up of grains and seeds will definitely be your dream blend if you're looking for something lush. Charlotte, thank you for joining me today on Multibytes Podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm good coming out of COVID, so excuse me if I'm a little bit coughy, but um, yeah, all good. Fantastic, fantastic. So I want to ask you more about your brand. What is what is the name behind Lilk? Lilk, because it's super, it's very different, sounds a bit like milk, but I'd love to know more about it. I mean, I'd love to, well, to be honest, you've kind of answered it in your question. You've got it, you've got it oh one right. You win a prize. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. To sum it up, it's two words, like milk. Um, and I know you hesitated, but you got it completely right. So we must have done something right. Definitely, because it was, because I was looking on your website and I was like, okay, I get it. There's nothing about it. So is it like milk or is it like but it was really good and I like the branding behind with the with the milk dropping, like the, yeah, the little teardrops. So mm-hmm. as you know, my brand well, my brand, my podcast is called The Naughty Bites. Mm-hmm. Before we get stuck into the podcast, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, guilty pleasure food wise? We, we'll, yeah. we'll keep on talking. It could be anything, yeah. <laughs> Do the whole podcast and all my guilty pleasure. <laughs> We'll, we'll keep it uh, we'll keep it on topic. I I think, I mean, I cook a lot and, you know, I've grown up in a family that, you know, we cook a lot. But um, I think just some of those days when, you know, things just haven't gone right, there's an empty fridge, I am opening that delivery app and I'm ordering Burger King, the vegan chicken royale. It is so good and so comforting. I think that would be my go-to. I've tried it. It's actually not bad. It's not bad. Like because I love the veggie, the veggie bean burger. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's I I do like it. And it's really bad. What I do is get my ketchup and mayo, dunk my chips in, and also layer it in the sandwich. Oh, well, I do. You got to <laughs> extra for a hash brown at some of these things, or you use your chips and put. I mean, that feels really good. Yeah. <laughs> not the only one. Not like a people think it's a disgusting habit, but it tastes good. And I bet I guarantee behind closed door they will try it. Do you think adding chips to a potato, uh, to a sandwich is disgusting? I think they're disgusting. So I think yeah. 
But I love it. I absolutely love it. And also, I, I like sweet and sour sauce dunked in as well. Like the more I'm, the merrier. Like yeah. Or, I, I mean, I'm I. I love a bit of barbecue sauce as well. I'm also any chili sauce is always added. Yeah. I think at university I lived off. This is really bad. So I studied food science mm. and nutrition, but I lived off whole meat, like whole meal, um, pita breads, mm-hmm. fish fingers, and Encona chili sauce. Oh, I mean, everyone's got to start off on like that yeah. kind of like potato smiley level. I think yeah. when you're eating. <laughs> In my first shot, but you know, don't, don't knock it. You some things <laughs> see, um, it just gives you a bit of comfort. Yeah. It does, and I did live off it, unfortunately. But it was good. I'm not going to lie; it, it, it hit the spot. So, um, so as a co-founder with Bastian and Emily, you worked in advertising for the food brands. What led you to work in a plant-based innovation environment? So, uh, yeah, I've spent around sort of 10 years working in advertising, worked in some really fun uh, food brands, you know, things like Heineken, Noor, uh, even KFC back in the day. Um, but I think what really led me to this was, you know, where all the sort of co-founders are on their own sort of like plant-based journeys. Uh, we're really interested, you know, we're all big foodies as well. Um, you know, I think you have to be a foodie to want to think about, you know, milk 24-7, which is essentially what we do. Um, and I just think it's it's the future of food, right? Um, we're an innovation. And I, I know people might think, um, you know, oh, the, the market's saturated or they've seen so many different brands come to the sector. But really, you know, looking at plant-based alternatives, it's still relatively new in the, yeah. in the sort of food and drink world. Um, and I'm just really excited to be part of a brand that is, you know, inherently more sustainable than the other options out there. Um, so yeah, it's really important to me, um, you know, helping to push that forward and obviously creating something delicious is, you know, it's just so much fun. No, definitely. Because, you know, you mentioned that there are other brands out there. Um, Mm. and I think a lot of people go towards the movement of having plant-based milk because they think it's, you know, it's healthier for the environment, but sadly, a lot of them don't know that, you know, almond milk, it's so bad for the environment in terms of sustainability and you know that the intentions are there but there's not enough education or just advertisement or awareness that you know um plant-based milk it can be fantastic and also as well like textures textures are so important in plant-based milk and how have you how have you managed to create something so creamy and milk-like I think well really I mean it's our not so secret is the fact that we blend um our whole thing is that you know for us single ingredients milks just weren't really hitting the spot like you, you've sort of mentioned almond I think soy is a big one oat itself is a huge mm-hmm. huge one but there's just something about when you put all of your reliance on one single ingredient that mm-hmm. you're going to sacrifice you know you're just going to have limitations from a, a sustainable point of view a taste point of view a texture point of view because you're only utilizing one grain or seed um mm-hmm. and that's what we have done we you know we have sort of used oat as a base but then using that rice uh, it's got a bit of sort of sweetness and you know again you can get it from different um areas um and then our other blend is oat coconut and quinoa so it's really and those other ingredients are really subtle but mm. i think that's almost the magic that we like uh, creating is is thinking about what goes together finding the right balance so 
actually milk should be quite neutral. It, you know, it's quite creamy, you're right, and rich, but it's also, you know, it's it shouldn't be something that overpowers your cereal or your coffee or your tea, which or or be non-existent in those things. So I think for us it's all about blending and the balance that that gives. Definitely, because I think milk should play a role as a background ingredient. Mm. Because, like you said, I I went through a phase of having soy milk. But I, what I found with soy, soy milk, I found it so sweet. Mm. And there's like a constant sweetness with it. And I think it's nice that when you have your cereal or your tea or your coffee, you're not having the soy milk taste in your food. And I think that's really difficult to get when you're trying different plant-based yeah, and I think it's it's funny, right, because uh, we, we've got to this point where we have almonds, soy, and people use different milks for different reasons. Um, so, for example, I think almonds are a huge one for porridge because, you know, it can go in and elevate it potentially. But, oh, my goodness, I used to have almond milk all the time, and it used to be out of this staple in the fridge. Um, but oh, almond milk in tea, I just stopped drinking tea because I was like, well, I'm not going to switch back. But my, yeah, but now I've got milk, I, I my tea intake has gone right back up um, <laughs> yeah it's just a back on black coffee for a long time but um yeah it, it's really funny that different people have used different milk for different use cases and you know when you think about um, a cow you're like which one's the barista udder and which one's the one for your porridge and, you know, it's, it, it's actually quite a complicated sector now I think I think so I think because competition and innovation stepped up and a lot of people are exploring this industry that although you mentioned before it's it, it's saturated, honestly, I don't think it is. Like in terms of, you know, you've brought out a totally different concept of plant-based milk because you're not specifying it. You know, it's not specific as oat milk. It's this, it's this. And I think, you know, the blend works. You know, I think when you think of celiacs and one thing I've noticed living here in Spain is that we have limited varieties mm. of of food but in the UK what I noticed was the food like the bread was amazing because it had a variety of different grains and I think when you bring that together you are able to get the texture that you want as opposed to having one type of grain and I think that's amazing that you've been able to capture that in your products. Yeah I mean and just to build on a point that you mentioned the fact that the market being saturated and things like that so you know, as you know, I worked in uh, advertising. I had a very comfortable, secure, lovely job. Um, and then, you know, sort of give it all up to, you know, join a, a startup, essentially. And um, the thing is, you know, I sort of ask myself, does the world really need another plant milk alternative? And the answer is, is yes, it really does. Um the market itself is growing. I think it's set to hit, I think the UK alone is set to hit 1 billion by twenty. Uh, 27 and we see that curve in you know across Europe Asia you know it's kind of a global trend and I think there's like I think 80% of people don't actually like the taste of um, oat milk you know we do it for multiple reasons right the planet for animal welfare for gut health for intolerances um, you know for trying to be cool because everyone's you know (laughs) now flexitarian I don't know you know there's 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 all these reasons so right now is the time for innovation and we like to think we've cracked a little bit of something um there and we've kind of ahead of the curve really figuring out that you don't have to settle for just one ingredient no definitely because i think like you said the market is open for it because although you're 
producing milk-based, well, plant-based milk, you're also tackling other issues, which I'll come on to in a moment, but I think it's good that other brands focus on one thing. But when you think of it on the global scale, there's so many other issues you can tackle in terms of sustainability, welfare, when producing something, especially with now, considering climate change and um, carbon farming and like um, carbon footprints and things mm. like that. I think it's important to consider that for future generations. So talking of health, mm-hmm. in what ways do you think milk um, contributes to a healthy, sustainable diet? Yeah, I mean, I think just to comment on that, you know, I'm part of that sort of turkey twizzler, sunny D generation. And I think we, <laughs> <laughs> was it everyone obsessed with that? <laughs> yeah, obsessed with it, but we are absolutely probably generationally scarred by the what actually was in the production and the products that we're eating. Yeah. So you know, I love yeah. having a brand and a product myself now that I can, you know, you can monitor all that and you can um really um you know engineer the whole thing so for me maybe we as a brand don't actually shout about our health benefits that much because I think we try and focus on bringing the conversation back to taste as I said there's lots of reasons for being in this category but you know we want to get the the taste values there but you know you can read the back of our pack but um I think one thing that we are really keen on is we are no added sugar no sweeteners um I think that's we're never going to add and that's something that we'll just we'll never compromise on and actually the main things that we're bothered about I think are sugars and carbs I think we're actually 30% we have 30% less sugar than the market leader um rhymes with Maltley um but (laughs) (laughs) and another thing for (laughs) um, another thing for us is that you know fair enough a lot of people say you know if you were you know using cow's milk it had calcium and all of those things and but guess what you can enrich your products we you know we actually put vitamins in and minerals back into our uh, back into our bottles and actually a lot of our ingredients are organic but we can't call our products organic because we enrich um so you know th- th- there's all of these things that um you know and watch this space because if you want an organic one that might be coming up soon um but you know <laughs> it's just it's one of those things um yeah we're we're really passionate about it. I think it's just a given these days. So we don't want to harp on about, you know, what's what's in it. It's, you know, I think but it's important. I think I think that aside as well, like if your texture is just like milk, that's a selling point in itself because it's so hard to find products with textures that resemble the the version that it's not trying to be. So, you know, a lot of people have um are lactose intolerant. So that you've created a product that isn't watery. Like, I don't know which milk I had. Maybe it was oat or almond. I don't know which one it was. I tried one a while back. When I say a while back, years ago. <laughs> Never go back. Yeah. And it, it tasted like um, properly skimmed milk. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not milk. <laughs> like, it was, you know, it's really hard to get the science in the texture, you know? And yeah. I think, and, and that, that's the thing, it's it's a mouthfeel. It's a bit of a disgusting mm. word, really, isn't it? But, uh, you know, that's something that we really are bothered about. It's it's the it's the overall experience of the product. It's not just, yeah, it's the thickness. It's the way it colours your, you know, it, it the way it reacts to other things. I think, you know, food is such a pleasurable thing, you know, drink. And, 
you know, it's the, it's one of the pleasures in life, right? And there's something yeah. so satisfying about a sip of, you know, a good brew, a good cup of tea, and, you know. And if we can help elevate that or bring you bring you that comfort back, then you know we're doing our job right. And that's where we're. We do this because we're really big foodies as well. Um, so yeah, we love the kind of. Uh, you can't take all the credit. We've got a very talented food scientist who helps us out a lot. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of like, what about this? What about that? And they'll be like, uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we've got some, you know, really good relationship with them. And, uh, yeah, love working on these sort of uh, innovations. Oh, fantastic. So when we think about food choices that support health, yeah. they're not necessarily sustainable and vice versa. In creating a brand that benefits people and the environment, what are the synergies? I think this is a bit of a tricky question. And also, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to be the most knowledgeable person in the world, but I think some ingredients can simply just get a bad rep quite quickly. So I think you've mentioned almond. I think soy is another one that's got a bad rep very quickly because, you know, so much of the earth is used for soy production but actually, there's a tiny percent that is used for, you know, vegan products. The rest of it is going back into cattle. So, you know, I think we've got to be careful about, you know, what's healthy, what's actually good for the environment and knowing the difference between what's a clickbait headline uh, and what's actually um, good or valuable. Um, for me, though, we just can't compromise on either thing. As I said, we're I think we're now in quite a privileged position where we know about all the brands that have done things wrong. We know all the brands that have kind of done things bad to the environment um and it just doesn't fly these days um mm-hmm. and i don't think you can start a brand in this day and age and start doing things like that it's just it's unethical um Definitely. and i think as well you're getting lots of millennials mm-hmm. that are super active in this environment that you know they are in with the news and and they're updated on uh, like changing policies so it's good that mm-hmm a brand is there to kind of practice what you preach yeah and I think we've always been uh so I don't say we've been ahead of the curve but we're like you know our bottle actually looks a bit different to uh the, the other bottles out there and that's because you know that was again an active choice right um it you know it's a really little simple thing is the fact that you know you can pour every last drop from our bottle you know it's got a little funnel that's just the fun element but you know from an actual practical point of view it reduces uh, production waste by 30 percent um and you know it's 100 percent recyclable and we've got an an innovation i think our sort of next iteration of bottles sort of early next year uh, we'll have a tethered cap and i think again that's something that's coming in place in the next few years so i think Brands like us, if you can, if you can do something that's more ethical and more sustainable, you can just do it, right? And we're quite nicely in that spot that we're quite small. We can be agile mm-hmm. and make these changes, whereas maybe some of the bigger outfits, it might take them a little while to catch up. Definitely. When you mentioned the bottle, the only thing I could think of was, um, do you remember the Friends episode where Joey has this, I don't know, like nozzle thing that clips in. It's like, ah, I can have milk every day. And you pause it, it doesn't yeah. drop, it doesn't dribble down the bottle. I was just thinking of like that. Basically done that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really it. annoying. It's like the simplest thing can really annoy you, but, um, mm. but yeah, definitely. So while milk is a sustainable food brand, did the, res- like, did the process resemble something similar to a Rubik's Cube, like trying to get it all together and... The decisions and everything involved in it 
Oh my God, the, the uh, I don't know, yeah, the decisions that you have to make in a day are, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. And I think anyone that is in a startup will relate to this. Anyone that's got a food brand, or, you know, it is, uh, there are so many different elements. And as I said, right, it's not just what's what's in your product. It's not just actually what makes your milk. And, you know, mm. it's then all the challenges you've got about, okay, how, you know, anyone can technically make, you know, almond milk, whatever at home, but then how do you make it so that it's going to be stable for 12 months or whatever and sent across the world? And then how is it that it's packaged rightly? And how is that going to, um, you know, fare over time? You've got you've really got to think about, you know, and again, with the trends and with the legislation, how can we bulletproof ourselves or, you know, really build something that is future proof? Um, so, there are a lot of lot of questions and a lot of answers that we have to come out with, but all super exciting and interesting. And yeah, we um, and sometimes they baffle our little brains, but uh, if we get through it, you know, all with, you know, it's all with the one aim of creating something that is delicious and sustainable. So you know, it's actually it's quite a nice position to be in. Yeah, definitely. I think as well because you mentioned that you're still quite a small company, you can become agile like mm. that because. Yeah. You don't have all these processes and procedures involved and it makes it easier to change in any direction. Yeah. I mean, spending a lot of time in advertising and, you know, this wasn't all of my uh, all of my experience, but sometimes, you know, a client will be like, oh, we've got this problem with the uh, brand. So can you do some comms to like fix it? And the answer, you know, the real answer is, well, you could just fix it in your production or your process or your manufacturer yeah. or, you know, and they're like, yeah let's just fix it with you know some comms and you know <laughs> and that's why I feel like I'm in such a privileged privileged position right now and yeah you're right we are a little bit smaller and more agile and um we can all be like oh do we want to wait till the government tells us to do this or should we just do it or you know yeah, that's no, no definitely so let's um look production processes are environmentally sustainable but when considering consumerism Mm-hmm. How easy was it to avoid processes that cause environmental harm, like, for example, greenhouse uh, emissions, freshwater depletion and deforestation? So I think the truth is in doing anything, you're going to use energy, you're going to use resources. You get like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and greenwash and, you know, and, and say differently. Right. There might be some brand out there that will claim that. But it's just it's impossible to create something without taking something. And I think what we're really passionate about is just growing consciously um and you know we can't be experts in every single element of the process so that's why we work with partners right so we've recently worked with my missions um who are a sort of an independent adjudicator um i always i always think in logos that so people might recognize it. it's like a little uh, fork in a circle it might be on some of your packs in your house but um you know they've really looked at our whole process you know from sort of farm to cradle to store um and you know we're really proud of the fact that we've got um, an A rating it was the highest that, that you can get um and yeah. I think we're conscious and I think it, you know rem- going back to geography back in the day and the use always remind you reduce reuse recycle and what we're doing yeah another throwback to you um I think what we're doing is looking at minimizing the amount of carbon it takes and um, we are five times less, it takes five times less uh, carbon uh, to produce milk than cow's milk. So that mm-hmm. in itself is massive. And I think we're actually uh, 30% less than the market leaders. Um, so, you know, it is really important to us. And we are 
doing what we can internally. But then when we've got gaps in our knowledge, we are working externally uh, to really try and make sure we're doing everything right. But when you do that as well, are your partners involved in advising you as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and they're not just looking at us. They're looking at our manufacturers, um, you know, and the different people use. So, you know, people along the way. Um, And another thing that we're doing is we are like B Corp pending pending. So, you know, that's another thing what a lot of companies are doing these days. It's, It's a really good way to really judge your company at every single touch point, you know, lift up every piece of paper and figure out who's where and what's going on so wow. yeah just really relying on you know other people's knowledge as well if you can't know anything you can't know everything yeah no, it's, it's great that you have that support around mm. you to advise and help you achieve the goals that you guys are um, hoping for with work yeah um so increasing sustainability and inclusive inclusivity of food systems depends on companies like yourselves mm-hmm. Not only reducing the environmental impact, but also reducing the inequalities that brings about, you know, um, workers in agriculture in in, a, in and around the world. As much as, as it relies on protecting natural resources, the sustainability of agri-food sector depends on providing decent livelihoods for everyone along the food value chain. In what ways have you managed this? Yeah, I think, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of the things that I've sort of just mentioned previously. So, like, we're manufactured in the UK, so that's quite important to us. Um, I am not an agricultural specialist. Um, it's not my background. Uh, but, you know, as I said, we've got those partners in place. So, you know, we're SEDEX approved from suppliers and uh, manufacturers. Um, you know, we're looking at, you know, being B Corp uh, sufficient. And, again, when we don't have those knowledge, knowledge and we don't have a gap, we make sure that we use partners that will um, look into the people that we're working with, look into the suppliers, looking into all the food chain, because we'll do things to the best of our knowledge, but then we'll get external people to ensure that our knowledge is correct. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's something that is a priority for us. Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. Because I, I feel like, you know, um, when Brexit happened, there's a lot of agriculture in the UK, especially in our southwest, with like apples and fruit, things like that. and um, in terms of resources and protecting workers, a lot of them, it was, it was kind of sustainable, but a lot of them came from Europe. But now there's a gap and there's lots of food waste because there's no one there to harvest the fruit and veg. And it's become like a, an uncomfortable food cycle now and it's trying to ba- rebalance it, you know. Oh, there's a lot of uncomfortable things out there right now. <laughs> That's another conversation. <laughs> it's, it's a tricky time, yeah. So that's another day. So, um, having said that as well, how do you guys coexist with uh, native wildlife and the ecosystems? Um, so I think really our in, in some ways our product is is quite simple you know our ingredients bases are, are all really simple mm-hmm. so we um we get most of our ingredients from the uk and a little bits from europe and other places but that's you know where the majority majority of where our ingredients come from we work really closely again with our partners with our manufacturers that ensure that everything uh, is super efficient um along the whole way 
I mean, if anyone has got a coconut supplier in the UK, I would be really interested because <laughs> bring that home. But you know, there are limitations to where you get your ingredients from. Um, so yeah, again, it's just really utilizing um, our partners. So we have this aim, right, of being sustainable and making sure that everything along the ingredients food chain you know whether it's the you know people that we're working with or the ingredients is sustainable and you know ethically sort of um uh formed uh so yeah we'll ask those questions and that's our aim and you know we are working definitely with the right partners and you know to to ensure that those things are happening so when we consider the relationship between food health and inclusion is it difficult for cities and regions to address this um because what made somerset your city of choice was there a strong connection to food there or like um it's just it's a it's a base for us so um where um it's it's where one of the main manufacturers is um and it's it's also where some of the ingredients is sourced so it's a it's a really uh sustainable way of, of doing it and and, um, you know, there are other options for us and other options for, you know, other brands as well. So there's actually hubs in, in you know, we, we have looked at, you know, Spain and uh, elsewhere of, you know, um, you know, depending on growth and things like that of, you know, where would be the best place to produce X amount. And do you know what? It just made sense for us at the time. Um, but, you know, this is always in the review. We are always kind of uh, looking at our whole process um, and seeing uh, what we can what we can do and how we can improve. Definitely. I think. I think it's good that many companies start and they don't consider the whole picture, but I think it's good that you guys have considered other places within Europe, considering your carbon footprint. And it's a very difficult choice to make. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we, you're kind of proudly sort of manufactured in the UK, and I think that's that's important and probably it's quite important to UK consumers as well. Mm-hmm. It just it happened to be make the most sense, um, you know, considering our partners and where we're getting our ingredients from. Uh, but yeah, I think knowing that we will grow and we want to grow sustainably, right? We have to be conscious of okay, you know, what are the next areas? What if we want to, you know, expand in different areas and and kind of uh, grow? Um, so, yeah, we're always, you know, we're not going to move there yet. But, you know, we're always looking at, you know, what does this, uh, how will that impact that? And what decision will we have to make there? So, yeah, we're, we're always thinking, we're always tinkering, we're always trying to uh, figure figure out what's what's the best for the brand. And, uh, yeah. Definitely, because there's a big movement now in food identity. Yeah. And the fact that your products are from the UK, you'll have that, that following of people going, ah, 100% British, everything is local, sustainable, and I feel an identity now is in the increase, and people are re-embracing food and ingredients that is that is, that is us, that is from the UK. Yeah, I think it's really important, right, uh, for people, and I think it's an it's an important movement um, that we are bothered about what's in what's in our bottles and our in our food and what, what's going into our body, um, but I think. It's quite, it's quite interesting. I think a lot of sort of foods that are these newer foods and more like ethical brands uh, or vegan brands, um, they're almost like under a bit more of a microscope, right? It's like, okay, yeah. tell me all of your eco creds. Tell me about your sustainability. Tell me about your health credentials. And actually, I think though those are all things that are really important to us and that, you know, I've kind of mentioned just a handful of the things that we're doing. 
Mm-hmm. It's also like we're about we're about taste and we're about that experience and we're about bringing the joy back um, to your plate and, and, and to your yeah. drinks. So it's you know I think what we're also really passionate about is um, being like yes you can be sustainable yes you can be ethical yes you can be healthy but at the end of the day right you've got to be delicious like I'm not <laughs> that's I'm, true uh, I'll, I'll go hungry rather than eat something that's not good you know so it's that thing of like I'm not going to um, uh, yeah, yeah we have to think about and that's another thing that we think we're doing we're not just you know lecturing people being like it's bad for the planet to do x y and z because you know what everyone knows it everyone you know turns on the TV and it's all doom and gloom but what we're doing is is, is we're kind of going do you know what this is really delicious give it a go and see what you think and and actually that is a small step that you can do right in your own sort of journey um to helping you know helping the environment or animal welfare or whatever so yeah let yeah bring out bring out the deliciousness is what I say as well definitely because I remember eight years ago I was working for a company and veganism started growing and I'm like everything we're going to create has to be vegan recipes but I was like by doing vegan recipes creating them you're already closing your market because you know not everybody likes vegan however some of the recipes that made me create oh it tasted like cardboard it lacked so many things and delicious yeah, I'm going to be honest. It's it's really hard, right, to cook vegan. And um, you know, the, the truth is, putting you know a slab of meat on a griddle is going to taste good. Um, or yeah, and to, to people these days, it, it might not. But the, the truth is, you you need to put the time and effort and get the knowledge into you know with your you know get your oyster mushrooms. You have to marinate them. You've got to use maple syrup, paprika. You know, yeah. you've got to do all of these things to really elevate the flavor. And you know again that's what led us to doing this we're all quite passionate mm-hmm. about sort of being on our own plant-based journeys and um you know eating that way that we've kind of applied that to um to, to the product and you know taste is just so important and mm-hmm. you know as we've sort of both said you can't just be like oh be vegan for you know x y and z yeah definitely but i think as well like when you're having to create a dish that isn't naturally vegan it's harder but when you consider countries in Asia, like, you know, China or um, India, for example, have a crazy array of mm. vegetables. And mm. if you're creating something that is naturally with vegetables, mm. you don't need to, you know, marinate it or do anything because the flavor is there. But yeah. you can have something that is naturally vegan or vegetarian mm. without having to say, I've got to marinate this and I've got to do this and I've got to buy this ingredient because it makes it more complicated and you kind of, eliminating the natural sweetness of something that is naturally vegan yeah I think that's to some audiences it's vegan's a bit of a dirty word isn't it it's a bit of a oh it's it's a bit of a turn-off but you know I mean and to other audiences you know it's a plus but there are there is a certain demographic uh that will be that will be like oh but the truth is yeah completely agreed there are so many different types of food out there that have just been naturally just 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 be naturally vegan the whole time yeah here's a delicious curry and you don't think any different right but i got oh here's a vegan curry you're gonna be like oh you know some people be like what is that and you just don't realize it's a buzzkill i think for some people if if you say lentil curry or vegan lentil curry you put it there i bet they'll go but it will be the same dish 
It would oh, actually no. be the same dish. I ask my mum anytime she'd bring out, you know, lentil curry or dal, I'd be like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's no fun. Oh, I love it. It's my favourite. It's my favourite. You're joking. It's my dad's favourite. I'm, I'm just, I, oh, I think I, I like it. Grown, grown to like it, you know. You kind of oh, have it's to. One of my, uh, it's one of my comfort dishes, unfortunately. You are. No, no, no. It is a staple. I will make a batch. I'm knocking it now. I think as a kid, I was always like, oh. Oh, no, definitely. I think as a kid growing up, when you were taught to eat vegetarian food, I remember, I don't know what it's like, subtlety of spices is amazing, but when you just heavily spice it, I can't handle it. And I hated having fenugreek seeds mm. in the oil because the let it burn so it tastes so bitter so I was off mm. spinach curry I, like I hated spinach curry I hated fish like I hated fish like with passion I hate so many dishes I was like this is not sounds how like, it's supposed to taste like, like what you thought of fish that was what I used to think of dull I was just like no. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna test it I will never have tin fish in my life I had such bad nightmares I'd I'm rather go hungry <laughs> I'd rather go hungry yeah, I used to love a, uh, a tinned tuna, but I'm not anymore. I watched the <laughs> never again. Yeah, that's been a major turning point for a lot of people, the conspiracy. Mm. It's a really interesting impact that it's had, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, everyone, as I said, you know, I'm not here to lecture and it is everyone knows a doom and gloom out there. Um, so I think anyone that, you know, wants to make these choices can. And, you know, I'm quite privileged in the position, you know, I've got the time and whatever to experiment with food. And, you know, it's a genuine passion of mine. So, you know, it, I'm, you know, I'm making, you know, my um, tuna fish out of chickpeas now, you know, getting my nori seaweed in there. And oh, all that's wild. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You've said something actually that just clicked. Your business is passionate. When you're passionate about something, yeah. you create something wonderful. But when it's a business, yeah. because just a business, you really realize the difference in something that you're creating. And yeah. you just hit the spot on that, I think. Yeah, I mean, and you brought up that, that point before of, you know, mm. uh, why I sort of have that switch or you had a job before and you're doing this. It's the truth is, it's because. I love food so much that I can think about milk or milk day in, day out. It's like, you know, it's a bit, maybe it's a bit of an unhealthy obsession, but when you're driven by taste and food in your life anyway, and, you know, talking about all these other ingredients and, um, you know, we went on a total tangent there about, you know, all the other food, food that I cook, but, you know, when you can put that passion into, mm. uh, into your job, oh yeah, it, it doesn't it's feel like, it, you know, some days are harder than others, I'll be honest, but when your job doesn't feel like work or hard work and, you know, we go down to the labs, we, you know, experiment with our food scientists, we're always, you know, um, you know, when the co-founders are busting, they had like spreadsheet tinking around with different things. I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's really yeah. exciting. It's worth getting up for. Yeah. So, but I've got two questions left. One of them, I did ask you before, what's your naughty pleasure? Well, guilty pleasure. If you had to use milk in something, what would you use it in? Oh my goodness! Uh, so there's a, there's a there's a do you know what the beauty of it is? It's I'm gonna sound like oh, ready for the kind of sales pitch. It is so versatile. No, it is. It is <laughs> but I'm. I'll give you two use cases. Um, I think for me, you know, I mentioned earlier the kind of it genuinely made me drink tea again. Like, you know, my family sit and drink tea. tea you know, it's ten pm and they're drinking cups of tea. But um, you I know, tea yeah, 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 exactly right. And I just stopped drinking tea because I was like, 
almond milk is disgusting in tea. I'm just going to drink black coffee and that, that's it. So I'd say, you know, tea is really important. And um, for me personally, I think if you're a bastion, you talk about coffee and, you know, Emily, you talk about something else, but it's, it's the thing of, for me, that's personal. It is also the quickest vegan bechamel of quickest bechamel actually that I've ever made in my life um I was following a vegan recipe to make a lasagna and they were like oh don't worry you know it takes a while for the bechamel to thicken so you know be, you know just be patient with it and you know whisk it and stuff and I was watching the video and I was doing it and I was like mine's done and I realized that it was the, the difference was they were just using oat milk and I was using milk um you know so yeah, I think that they're the they're the main things. But I think yeah, if you ask other people, different things. Yeah, Emily always talks about how like she loves the lush blend in her cereal. Every, you know, makes it eat cereal. She has a wheat mix every morning. Um, you know, and Bastion's sort of, is a bit of a coffee snob, so this was his whole drive. You know, he really wanted to find something that works perfect for him. Definitely, I think especially as well. Like when I think milk, I love milk with crunching up cornflakes and mm. i hate when the taste is disguised with plant-based milk so it's good but if there's like got... there's, there's that there's the i think we've got that sweet spot but there's it's either it tastes of absolutely nothing and watery or it tastes too much and it's overpowering your cereal and do you know what i just think our biggest selling point it, it's it's really quite neutral it elevates but doesn't take over i like that so, and and my last question is what what exciting projects have you guys got in hold for Lil? Or are you allowed to share them? Are you allowed to share them? Uh, to be honest, there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on at the minute. Um, let me think. So I think, you know, a few things that I can share. We're having a bit of a brand evolution. Um, so, you know, our whole thing is about blending. We're going to feel, you know, we're just going to bring that out even more. So, you know, our, you know, packaging and whatnot might be getting a bit of a blend let's say um we've got two new uh, products coming out next year um and one of them is aligned with london london coffee festival uh, we're going to launch it there so i'll you know i'll let you guess what what sort of product that's going to be um and there's some stuff i would have to give you an nda for and you're not here so i can't get you to sign oh. anything you can hold up the signature to me yeah there's a few things you know as you've probably gathered but you know i and you know the rest of both of us were we're quite passionate about sustainability and you know about taste so there is a few other things in Korean, but I will get a very big slap on the wrist uh, if I say anything more. I will uh, guess so. <laughs> the coffee festival. I'm thinking that one, yeah. A type one. of condensed milk. It's, <laughs> it's just an idea, but I thought, because I'm thinking coffee, a lot of people here in Europe love, it's called Café Bonbon, mm-hmm. and it's condensed milk and coffee. I thought maybe, yeah. but no, that's my guess. You know what? I'm going to say you're overthinking it, but you've given me another oh. idea, and I'm going to take that. I'm going to have to give you I was like, oh, because it's, it's, I made my cat after that because he's black and white. So I was like, you're going to be called Bonbon. So that yeah. was funny. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure learning about your brand and your environmental footprint. And um, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you guys. Yeah, no, thank you for having uh, me on. It's a bit of a bit of a break, and yeah, that's that's I felt felt like it's been five minutes, but yeah, thank you. (laughs) Awesome.